You're listening to Radar Peak, a three-body podcast reviewing our way through the three-body problem and discussing its real-life parallels. I'm Allie. I'm Brett, and on today's episode, a clandestine meeting of the world's top military leaders, a group of scientists facing an existential threat, how particle accelerators work, and we'll discuss Chapter 4, The Frontiers of Science. Energy unit reporting. All systems go. Cutting unit reporting. All systems go. Amplifier unit reporting. All systems go. Interference monitor unit reporting. With an acceptable range. Begin transmission. This is actually, I was going to say, I've been really thinking about buying a calculator, the one with paper. I'm, uh, the least interesting thing that I could inform you about in my life, like an accountant's calculator. Oh. But you know, they're actually really expensive. You should go to like a Goodwill or something. Yeah, right? It would be so silly to buy that new. I mean, I feel like the the clicking, like, you know, it'd be really like live ASMR kind exactly. of thing. Exactly. And it prints like as you do it. I like that. Thank you. What have you been up to? How's your week been? Oh, my God. Well, last night, I got a 5 a.m. text from my roommate saying there's a man in the house. Like a man that they knew about? Or they no, just wake like up and they see that? a strange man. Okay. And, and he's in my room. But I wasn't there because I was dog-sitting this whole week and staying at the house of my okay. mongrels. And... Yeah, so I get this 5 a.m. text. I happen to be awake because one of the dogs I'm dog-sitting decided, you know, 5 a.m. wake-up time for everybody. And, yeah, I get a text from my roommate. And she's like, guys, I heard something. And I, like, got up and I, and I looked into the bathroom. And we, like, share this, like, double bathroom, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, like, says, like, she saw this man standing in my room. And I was like, oh, and like for sure he's no he's not like anybody's invite he's not supposed to be there i don't know i mean yeah and i do have we do have several roommates so she was like she said she's like i don't know if it's someone you know in the house or like trying like using our bathroom but like what are you using our bathroom for at 5 a.m you have a bathroom i mean you do live in a a pretty big house like maybe they just got lost roommates could could have been someone had someone over but also like who that's weird dude very weird and so i was like call the cops um so and what was also crazy was just earlier that evening around 8 Mm p.m i was down the street and i saw like 10 cops at another house like i think there's a series of break-ins in my neighborhood okay well i mean you do live in the hollywood hills darling i mean don't tell our listeners (laughs) come and find me it's very i mean i didn't say which hill no that's true I live in the, sh- but I would really say I live in the Hollywood foothills. Like I'm not living up in like, you know, not too high up. Like, see now you're giving more information than I was. <laughs> I just don't want people to think that I'm a rich bitch. I have twelve roommates. <laughs> no, um, think what you will. Have you seen the TikTok hype houses? They have like thirty people living in those. You're so right. And those kids are like fucking millionaires. You're right. So I'm living, you know, in the lower foothills of the Hollywood hills. Okay. And yeah, and so she called the cops, and the cops came, and they good looked, old boys in blue, boys in blue, and they looked around and found nothing. And so wait, is this is this guy still like maybe hiding in your house? Possibly, because I mean your house is big enough. It could be like in the garage, hiding in the sauna, inside pool, <laughs> easily swimming around the lazy moat, easily. No, for sure. Who who knows? Wild. I I feel like though it was probably the most disappointing break in because let's be real, like you see this house, it's got like walls around it, it's got a literal fucking bridge. It's gaggy. I and mean, like yeah, it's can you you know, in two words, like how would you describe my house? I would say if if every one of you decided to move out and take away all the furniture, you could turn the house into a mini golf. Yeah. <laughs> that is Spot on. 
what my house is with, like. With the moat and everything. So it, it presents like ostentatiously and it kind of says, oh, what kind of valuables right. are inside this for sure a picasso yes right mm-hmm. a dolly mm-hmm. like just some some really expensive but insane kind of liberace oh, they got money yeah, yeah they got, got money so this guy breaks into the house thinking oh, i can't wait to like rob their you know furs and diamonds and birkin bags and whatever and let me tell you he just finds six people who live together making minimum wage <laughs> And like, I was like, literally the only thing he could have stolen, because first my laptop was with me. The only thing he could have stolen was my passport. I was like, everything else, there's nothing he could take from me. You can take everything from me and you wouldn't have stolen a thing. It's very Buddhist of you. It's also what Dorit Kemsley said on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Oh, that's right. When she was robbed. Um, anyway, I watched an amazing documentary last night. Okay, no, but I'm kind of scared. <laughs> well, it's called Fireball. Okay. Have you seen or heard about it? No. Werner Herzog. Okay, of course. And he, it, so yeah, you know how he goes on these amazing fucking tangents in his sure. documentary. But basically, I mean, it, it, he travels all over the world and we meet these people and like these cultures that, and the histories surrounding these locations where we know meteorites have hit the okay. earth and so like are... the yucatan up in canada mm-hmm. okay. okay so you know well just I, the locations yes yes because the yucatan is the reason we don't have dinosaurs right because that was where the big one was yeah and that there are all these cenotes mm-hmm. right like those like water holes that make this huge ring around oh right yeah um which is so cool i've never been to a cenote but i i'm interested in that and there's this one guy, I think this was, this guy was in somewhere in the UK. Okay. He, I could be wrong about that, don't quote me. Um, but he like goes to like the largest rooftop he can find and he takes this magnet with him and runs it over like the dust on the top of this roof mm-hmm. and anything that like clings to the magnet, he then brings to his friend who has like a, an extremely powerful microscope and they look probably at, like an electron microscope or something yes well i don't think it's an electron microscope it's just like a very strong camera Got almost it. like you you literally see a setup it's a camera with like almost it's like jerry rigged like this man's setup but it's so it's such it's working you know it's like on, shitty rigs on instagram but it's like amazing exactly like the, it. It's, it all comes down to the lenses i guess true um but so they take pictures of these different these different cosmic dust particles and you see them and you're just like holy that's wild shit this looks like nothing like no rock that you've ever seen oh and it makes sense that the magnet would pick that up because asteroids are magnetic being mostly iron yes mostly iron exactly and you see like they're all different and they and they come from different places these are some of the oldest matter in the universe that's wild like matter from the beginning you know and it's just maybe like the asteroid that brought us life exactly got it isn't that that's what's it called again it's called Fireball. Okay, Fireball, Werner Herzog. Yeah, it's a really good watch. I highly recommend it. And just right. falls right in line with everything we're interested in. Um, also, wait, do you want to talk about the Artemis? <sighs> Brett's bummed. I'm bummed, but I'll say people will not ever remember delays. Mm-hmm. People will remember failures. Mm-hmm. So I think it's far more important, and I'm really proud of NASA for not cutting the corner and being like it's not manned let's do it anyway they're doing the diligence of figuring out what's wrong trying to shore up those loose ends even though the project is late the project is over budget i'm glad to see nasa still doing it but damn it if they are not a day late and several billion dollars short at this point you know what someone was telling me recently just in terms of like eras Mm. like because i'm thinking about it's gonna usher in this like new era Someone was like, when the Queen of England dies, like, actually, that will begin a new era, you know? I mean, her rule has been... Super long. So like, long at this point. And, like, who could... Res- like, the, the only shred of respect that I feel like remains for that institution really hinges on her sort of elegance and longevity and talking about new eras. When we have this, like... JFK on the moon 
And I don't mean John F. Kennedy. I mean an airport. Right. And the moon, the moon base that'll be our waypoint to yeah. Mars. I really should be saying LAX. I just have such a New York state of mind. <laughs> moon FK. Yeah. What moon are we going to call it? Yeah. Moon and, and then I think about like also the SpaceX, like, you know, that's the Tesla, right? Program mm-hmm. of space exploration i just think about privately versus publicly funded space expedition i just wonder if like genuinely that has to do with nasa's rocket being (laughs) delayed or if it's just that it's a difficult thing to do i mean part of nasa's and it's not nasa's problem inherently but part of the problem that nasa always faces is they're beholden to what gets set aside for them in the budget so as here in America, because they're a government organization, as presidents change, not every, I mean, arguably, President John F. Kennedy was the most focused on space, because it was such a central vision that we go to the moon. Mm -hmm. But I mean, since then, space sometimes becomes a priority, sometimes becomes like forgotten, then a new president comes in, whole new priority, but then it's like, they haven't been able to make tons of progress in the interim in between those. So they're really just sort of beholden to, like, you know, is daddy or mommy president going to give us our allowance so that we can do our projects? Right. Which is unfortunate. That is unfortunate. That really limits our space exploration. Yeah, I mean, it's part of the reason why the private space industry has been able to grow at such a quick rate is because... There's no one. Because they're privately funded, they're not waiting on... on, Bureaucratic. You know, the government subsidy saying you can use this much money in this you know period jesus it's really unfortunate it really is meanwhile we're just cooking the planet that much quicker should we start the episode yeah (laughs) okay so last week you gave us kind of a preview about the frontiers of science it's this group of scientists that well we don't want to give too much away because yeah. we're about to get we'll into it but know. it's it's a group of scientists in in like a sort of like nationally recognized consortium we'll say of scientists we've jumped 40 years into the future so this chapter opens with a new character called wang miao so we've just met a whole new character we're about to don't forget about ye wenji just yet because she's still she's still pretty integral to this story that's being told but But you can put her on the back burner for for now now, we're going to start learning some new characters because we need the foundational understanding of what's happening with them before some of these pieces start getting put together so we meet this man who's called wang miao who is a scientist himself and he Mm. is at his apartment and he's greeted at his door by a group of four people two of them are officers like police officers and two of them are military officials, members of the PLA. We'll get to them in a second. But Wang is like a cab immediately. The, the older of the two police officers is smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Which like kind of immediately annoys him because they walk into his apartment. This guy's smoking his cigarette inside his apartment. And he's like, uh... And he's not can even... You, can you not do that in here? Yeah. He's like, you're also... I'd appreciate, I'd appreciate if you addressed me as professor because... That is what I am. I worked really hard for this title. Yeah. He feels highly disrespected by these cops. And and he's literally like, you're all bastards. What are you doing here? And he's like, if if you have to smoke that thing, let's move this outside. Let's open a window. Like, how do you feel about people smoking cigarettes in in their house, in your house? I mean, I don't, I don't really like tobacco smoking anyway. Me neither. So that's that on that. If you're going to smoke a cigarette, you need to take that outside and then take a shower. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry, smoking's not cool or healthy. It's just a preference. But, yeah. But we know the science. Kids these days are back on they're back on tobacco. They're vaping. They're vaping. And you're their role model. As I look at my jewel sitting <laughs> right across from me. And the officer smoking the cigarette, his name is Shi Chang. He's like, fine, I don't want to put out the cigarette, so let's move outside. <laughs> so they move outside to take this meeting, and kind of immediately, Wang Miao is like, what's going on here? Like, I haven't done anything wrong. Why are these two officers and these two military officials from the PLA, like, 
at my place. But it kind of becomes pretty, like, apparently clear that they're here to ask him something. Like, they either need his expertise or maybe he knows something about something that's happened. Like, they're here on, like, a fact-finding mission. Yeah, and immediately they're like, have you, any, have you had any recent contact with the frontiers of science? And Wang is, like, immediately defensive. He's like, what does it matter? I'm a fucking professor. I'm an academic. Frontiers yep. of Science is full of famous scholars, and it's perfectly legal for me to have contact with the Frontiers of Science. He's so suspicious yeah. of, like, why they're asking. And they're like, and the cops are like, whoa, whoa, no one said it wasn't legal for you to talk to the Frontiers of Science, buddy. And the whole time he's chiefing and chain-smoking Marlboro Reds and blowing it right in Wang Miao's face. It's just they're both grinding each other's gears. And again, this little pissing match. Yeah, I mean, Wang is, aside from being highly suspicious, he's also like, guys, like, thanks for stopping by, but I'm not talking to you. Like, I don't have to answer your questions. I haven't done anything wrong. You have to respect my privacy. Yeah. Which is kind of funny to Shi Chung because he's basically like, bro, you're a famous scientist. Like, what, what right to privacy do you think you have? <laughs> like, you're a celebrity. And, yeah, even the neighbors are coming out into the hallway, like, because these guys are kind of yelling at each other at this point. Yeah, I mean, point. It's, like a, it's like a disagreement. And yeah. One of the army officers, who is a major in the army, steps forward and tries to get the conversation back on track. And he kind of, like, unveils sort of, like, the actual reason why they're here versus, like, leading with the, you know, the interrogation of it all. He was like, listen... There's this big meeting this afternoon with a bunch of scientists and a bunch of scholars, and we're here to invite you to attend it. And Wing Meow's like, He's, I'm I busy. Can't. Yeah, I'm like, very I'm, busy. I have to wash my hair that day. Yeah. Kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. I have to color my hair, and I really have to be at work, and actually, I'm seeing a friend. But they know already. They're like expecting him to react in this way. And the general has already proactively spoken with the head of Nanotechnology Research Center. His and job. Saying, you know, if Wang can't attend, we'll have to reschedule because yeah. we need him here. They're like, we've canceled all your meetings, so don't worry. None of your excuses are valid. Now what are you going to say? And it's not really working. And amongst them, they're kind of like, you know, taking a beat, moving down a little bit so they can kind of like regroup and like try a new, you know, like it's not working. Try something else. Kind of like move down and figure out like, okay, how can we bring this up to this guy to get him to say yes? And when they kind of like start having their side conversation... You know, like when people almost like will gossip or talk about something in a way, like with a stage whisper, like mm -hmm. they want you to a hear soliloquy. it. Yeah, like it's supposed to be where they're like, oh, we're being secretive. But like they, yeah. they say it to like a level where you're like, I heard that. Right. And but like, they meant for you to. Right. That's what's happening here. So it's almost like this side conversation, they like need him to hear it. Yeah. And he learns that Shi Cheng has a spotty past. Yeah, the PLA officers. Like a few years back, Shi Chung was involved in a hostage crisis. And because of his actions, the victims died. It was a family of three. Yeah, the PLA officers walk away and they're talk they're talking shit out loud about Officer Shi. And he's like this bad apple cop who's been like, per like he's permanently suspended from duty. Like I heard, I heard he disabled a suspect that he tortured so bad. Like, what the fuck are we doing? And, and look at the way he's talking to this guy. We're not going to get anything out of this person. We're trying to get something out of having to work with this fucking loudmouth, obnoxious, piece of shit cop. It's almost like Shi Cheng like, only knows one speed and it's bad cop. Exactly. And Meow obviously overhears this. And it, it does make him curious because the PLA officers are like, why, why is this hot-headed schmuck? a part of the Battle Command Center operation, which sounds so cheesy to me. A little bit about the PLA, if you don't know, because I was, I was familiar with the name, really, but not so much like the history and like how it operates. Yeah, tell us. PLA stands for the People's Liberation Army, and mm -hmm. from this is from the Wikipedia. They were founded on August 1st in 1927. Okay. So, I mean, they're still in operation today, so like long history. Before the Cultural Revolution. Correct. Um, they can trace its origin during the Republican era to the left-wing units of the National Revolutionary Army when they broke away in August of 1927 in an uprising against the nationalist government as the Chinese Red Army before they were reintegrated into the NRA as units of the New Fourth Army and the Eighth Root Army during the Second Sino-Japanese War. Mm -hmm. 
Encyclopedia Britannica gave this little bit of information saying that initially called the Red Army, the PLA grew under Mao Zedong um, and Zute from 5,000 troops in 1929 to 200,000 troops in 1933. So like Damn. very fast growth, not a long amount of time. But they're basically just a military, right? They are a military, but so only a fraction of this force survived the long march in retreat from the nationalists. So after they rebuilt their strength, a large portion of it, called the 8th Root Army, fought with the nationalists against the Japanese in northern China. After World War II, the communist forces, now renamed as the People's Liberation Army, defeated the nationalists, making possible the formation of the People's Republic of China in 1949. Unlike, for example the u.s military Mm -hmm. the pla is not a national army in the type of traditional nation states but rather they're a political army or the actual armed branch of the ccp itself damn since its allegiance is to the party so and not to the state or any constitution so the pla literally just exists as the armed wing of the ccp it's like if the democrats had their own army yes and the Republicans had their own army, except it would be like, uh, it's just so funny because it's like, where does the government end and where does the party begin? Well, because, I mean, as it has stood since the CCP is in China, the party and the government and the army are one. Are one. And that's the whole point of the censorship laws right. is to maintain the single, you know, rule of the CCP and the, and the dominance of the CCP. So two of these people who are visiting Wang Miao are, are officers. One of them is a general, but are are members of the PLA. Just, seri- just for some backstory. Some serious shit. And Meow is already like, what are these people here? What am I, you know, and what is this fucking meeting that m- won't happen without me? Yeah, so he hears these two people from the PLA having this conversation about just sort of like how checkered Shi Cheng's past is, how he's like not the best kind of guy. He also learns that Shi Cheng is familiar with organized crime. Like, ultimately, in his role as a police officer, he was suspended from duty. So now, sort of because of, like, what got him to being suspended, he only has really limited duties at the Battle Command Center. And sort of, like, because his past actions, he doesn't really get to know very much. It's almost sort of like a nicety that they've, like, kept him on, basically. More as, like, yeah, I mean, you know, police protect police. So... They're like, listen, we really need you to be there. They wear him down, and they're like, listen, we've got a car here for you. Take it or don't. Hop in this Uber with us. So Wang gets into this car that they've sent for him, and he doesn't know exactly where he's going. He just knows I'm going to this meeting that they're so wound up about me about me attending. And he winds up in the suburbs, and the building he arrives to is unlabeled and unmarked like it's like just a building the doors don't have any signs like nothing saying you know like you're at this foundation or right. at this whatever you're at and, the dmv and from all of this he's like this place has to be military right he knows this is fucking suspicious and he enters his room pure chaos no room on any of these desks for computers there's like computers on the floor and like wires everywhere and people like huddled around them working super hard and wing meow is like damn whatever the hell this is it's clearly too important for them to even bother making it look legit or like nice you know and it just really put in perspective for me that like there is an aspect of convincing you that what we're doing is important in most government buildings right like by having desks and shit but when you're actually doing something important and you don't need to convince anyone on the outside world or no one on the outside needs to know about it there is no need to make things look organized or presentable and so yeah it's like truly like halt and catch fire situation they're like buckled down on the floor that's kind of a scary disconnect right because i mean just for us, it's like, you know, growing up in grade school, we went to D.C., we like toured the Capitol, right. we saw the hill, you know, like all of that kind of stuff. And seeing like the facade of government being so like enshrined in like marble and like really Wood, big, beautiful, right. you know, presenting buildings. But then to know you're at this like government thing that's happening and you're like, why does it look like like rat's nest of all these cables and types of, you know, it's just wild to me. But so Wang walks into this room and there's a thick cloud of smoke hanging so like 
You thought he was annoyed by Shi Chen smoking in his hallway and in his apartment? No. These people are like coal factory, freight train, chain smoking. Chain smoking. He's not sure actually still where he is because he knows that Shi Chen has a post still at the Battle Command Center. So he's thinking maybe initially, oh, like maybe this is where this guy works. It kind of fits with, you know, like the energy from this guy kind of fits with the energy of this place. Maybe we're like at his quote unquote office. And and Wang Miao sees Shi Chang chiefing his cigs again. And he really tries to keep his distance because he's still not a fan of the Shi or Da Shi as some people call him, which just means the big Shi. Uh, I, I really can't help but call him Dashi. I, well, after, I feel like from now on, we're going to call Shi Chang Dashi. Because Dashi. It, yeah, because it like, you know, it's like, it winds up becoming more of like a nickname for him. Right. Because you think of him in the in the Netflix adaptation, I, I believe his character is being played by Benedict Wong. Which I love. Yeah, and I just like, I've, it's such a like, you know, he's sort of like a, like a hard scrabble kind of, you know. Totally. Like like the bad cop side of yeah. good cop, bad cop. But he also I, gives me like a big Lebowski vibe. Like yeah, the big Lebowski. He the gives big me she. like big police teddy bear yeah. kind of vibe. So like I'm... So Dashi, also known as Shi Chung, also known as Big Shi, also known as Ashtray, also known as the Crippler, also known as Fran Drescher, also known as the Nanny. A.K.A. Thanos. <laughs> yeah, so that's Dashi. So he sees... So Wang Miao sees Dashi and he's like, great, this guy again. I gotta... I hope he doesn't fucking talk to me. So in this room, in the center is a conference table. But when I say conference table, I mean much less of like what we're used to seeing out of government and more like think from like primary school, if the teacher had you just shove all your desks together in the center, it's like very like that where they, you know, they're just like making do with what they've got. It's piled high with papers and with all these documents and everybody that's in attendance looks like they're at the end of their rope. They're disheveled. They're overworked. You can tell in their faces they're just exhausted. The meeting is going to be held by Major General of the PLA, Chang Wei-si. Half of the people who are here are military. You can just tell by their uniforms that they're wearing. So off the bat, we're about to find out something that's either really serious, really official, like in a government capacity, or both. Yeah, and he sees, like, there's there's a NATO guy, there's CIA, there's a British Army official, there's a U.S. Army official, and they're allegedly there as observers. Um, and some of the British guys are just basically like, let's fucking get this over with already. But also, I'm like, wait, the CIA is like... We're not, we're not participating. We're totally just observing. Yeah, like, when are you ever just yeah, observing right. CIA? If you work for the CIA, please tweet at us and let us know if you're ever observing. This meeting is, like, a very big deal. We're off the grid in, like, a non-showy building. The people in attendance are, like, heavily UN-backed. The local police are here and the Chinese military are here. So that's, like, that's not nothing. And the meeting, whatever, you know, it's, it hasn't quite started yet. And that's when Da Shi is making all this small talk with Wang Miao. He's like, so, how's your summer? <laughs> did you love, did you love your, your birthright? <laughs> and Da Shi's like, I loved it. And he's like, how's college? Do you love it? How's your unpaid internship? How's, oh, I heard you're working with new materials. Yeah, Wang Miao's such a, like, can you not? Yeah, like, shut the fuck... Stop making small talk with me. Like, I don't know why I'm here. I, I hate talking to you. Yeah, I just... I mean, I really relate. I hate small talk so much that I actually can't engage with it for more than, I would say, 60 seconds. That's about it. But right? fortunately, the meeting gets called into session, and they all take their seats. Shi Chang, Dasha, Big Shi, introduces Professor Wang... And he's got this, like, smirk on his face that Wang is also annoyed by. But finally, the reason for their meeting, Wang Miao's research, Dashi says, we understand you're researching this new material. And Wang is like, it's called nanomaterials. Pushes up his glasses. <laughs> and Big Shi is like, could you use these nanomaterials uh, to commit a crime, perhaps? Which, nanomaterials are extremely strong, but they're also... I mean, it's in the name, Nano. Tiny. They're impossibly small. Tiny. And Wang Miao is like, 
has something happened with my material that I don't know about? Yeah, and he's also like, who who's asking? And and you know what? Yeah, anything could be fucking used to commit a crime, my man. You can use a fucking fish spine if you want. And he tells this like random little anecdote about a woman who cut off her husband's scrotum literally using this the spine of a fi- frozen tilapia. That just made my stomach hurt. Uh, you know, so the, there's the scrotum thing. It's like anything can be used to commit a crime. So certainly my nanomaterials could be used to commit a crime. I mean, a strand of this nanomaterial, if you made a knife out of it, you Yikes. could slice a whole car in half with just one stroke. Mm. And and Wang is like, for, you know, forget knife. One strand the size of one one hundredth of a hair strung across a road would slice a passing car like cheese. So, you know, yeah. I guess you could say it could be used for criminal purposes. And he's like, but what's with all this small talk? Is this what you called me here for? You called me here to ask me about my nanomaterials? Like, what's the big deal? And And Dashi's like, no, 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 I was just curious about that. Which sort of is like when General Chang is like, okay, let's get this meeting going. So they pass out these documents to everybody to bring everybody up to speed. And General Chang is like, okay, everybody, there are several combat zones across the planet, and we feel now that ours has become a focal point, which is unusual phrasing for Wang to hear, hearing this talk about combat zones. And we know this because Dasha, being really terrible when it comes down to it, but an effective interrogator can really read body language pretty well. And so he's noticing, like, he really doesn't know like what's going on. And then General Chang lays it all out. You're all here at this meeting because this is a military operation. And unfortunately, while all of you who are here are vital, information across the board is going to be need to know. And he's like, also, you may have noticed, we've got some, you know, military operants here. And that is because we are at war. And Wing is thinking like, what war? And he basically explains that the target of this war has been elite scientists and they give wang a list and on the list are just names 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 of elite scientists they're like do you recognize any of these names and he's like no 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 yes yes i I, yeah i recognize three of these names and one of them is yang dong He'd been working on this project that dealt with nanoscale materials and nanoscale components for this really high-energy particle accelerator. So think like CERN in Switzerland, but just in China. One afternoon while he's there doing his work, he's observing sort of the installation of one of these like really large components, and he sees this woman being spoken to, but she's not being spoken at. It's like she's in the position of authority. So he's like, oh, wow, this person has to be like really important to be sort of like respected yeah like holding court in this way in this setting he finds out uh that she's a scientist and because of her work in theoretical physics her experiments are going to be the first ones that are tested on this new particle accelerator when it's completed and somebody says to him like you should know her and he's like who is she and we learn her name and yang dong is likened to literally by in in the footnote Ken Liu says she is something of a Chinese Thomas Pynchon, who is an author. If you don't know, he wrote like Gravity's Rainbow, Inherent Vice, uh, V, and he is notoriously elusive, won't do any media interviews, um, total hermit. No one even really knows what he looks like. However, many people I know who live on the Upper West Side of Manhattan claim to see him at Zabar's oh. on the regs. So- so she is likened to a Thomas Pynchon because she will not do any interviews on her projects. She won't take any money. She won't, you know, do any media coverage. And, and that's pretty fucking bold Yeah. as a scientist. Wang's also surprised, too, because he's familiar with the name Yang, Yang Dong. Dong. But it's only in this moment that he realizes, wait, Yang Dong is a woman? Like, I had no... Because right. she's not taking interviews. He's like, I wow, I had no idea. And he is totally in thrall or enamored would you say he's intrigued yeah yeah, because like she makes eye contact with him and she acknowledges him with what the book describes as these like crystal clear eyes like it's almost like one i imagine it to be sort of like like she looks at him with this look that like pierces into his soul like i see you 
yeah. type thing. He goes, Awooga! Yeah, and like she really makes an impression on him. Um, and, and then later on that night, he's back at his apartment, and we kind of learn he's kind of like a, an amateur photographer type thing. He takes, you know, really sort of nice landscape photos and he's got you know prints of his work hanging up on his wall and in each of his prints of his photos on his wall he imagines yang dong in them sometimes he imagines you know like just her eyes in the sky other times he imagines her whole body standing in the scene and to him the photos for the first time come alive and they kind of like give his photos this level of beauty that he never could have imagined them to have before it's almost like he always felt his photos kind of like lacked a soul right that's but what then he says. with her in them or rather with him imagining her in them they feel complete the kind of like fantastical thinking about people you don't know that actually only exists and also is perpetuated by literature and movies and stuff and, and i just like as a psa Anyone that you think that you, you know, I mean, this is my opinion and tell me if you disagree, but like, I I don't think love at first sight exists. I think that is wholly a fantasy. Like you've fallen in love with your idea of that person. Exactly. 100%. You know, so like, and I think it contributes to like a lot of like just toxic expectations of, of dating and, and beauty. Our boy is down bad you know like he is simping for this girl <laughs> simping but like i'm like wow this is a side of wang meow that we have not seen yet like does right. he have a crush right i know he's in this amazing rose-colored flashback when general chang is like i'm so sorry i don't mean to interrupt your flashback but all the scientists on that list committed suicide in the last two months so he's like when and they're like well she was actually two nights ago. And in a way familiar to a lot of you now, she overdosed on sleeping pills. Mm-hmm. With this information that all these scientists have killed themselves, Wang's having a really hard time because I kind of think he did have a crush on He's her. He's like, I never even got to have sex with her. Yeah, like, you know, we only had that those couple of interactions. Like, you know, it's hard news to receive. He asks the general, he's like, why? And they're like, we mm. don't really know why, but we know that the answer to that question for all of these scientists was the same. And Which, mysterious. Right. And it's like, well, did she leave a suicide note? So in the documents that were passed out, we see that included within them are excerpts from various suicide notes that were left by some of the scientists that are on this list. And out of all of them, Yang Dong's note is the shortest and they say it's probably the most representative of the issue that's at hand and it's presented by yang dong's grieving boyfriend uh this guy named ding yi and there's a footnote about ding yi that blew my mind because ding yi is actually the protagonist of essentially a prequel yeah See, you already knew. Ball lightning. Ball lightning! I'm like, so we have to we have to read ball lightning. That's obviously where to answer your question from earlier. That's where we go after, after all sent. this. A hundred something episodes from now. I started reading like the Wikipedia on ball lightning and looks It's fascinating. Fucking sick. And I'm not I mean I'll just give a brief sort of what, what I thought was interesting. Yeah. And what I understood it to be about has a lot to do with technology that harnesses the power of quantum physics in order like for weaponry and so people who are killed uh, as a result of this specific macro electron weapon that harnesses the power of quantum physics actually end up existing in a quantum state that can occasionally influence the world when not observed and i was just like okay yes you took one of my favorite facts and theories about quantum physics and built it into a fucking plot that is nuts um so yeah we're definitely gonna read ball lightning later so ding yi even though he's not gonna really appear much in this book has an entire book separate from this series that's fascinating or maybe he appears later you you would know better than me we'll see we'll see okay so wang is given this suicide note from Yang Dong, but what does it say? I'm glad you asked. Get this. The note says, 
all the evidence points to one conclusion. Physics has never existed and will never exist. And I know what I'm doing is irresponsible, but I have no choice. dead physicist is saying that physics doesn't exist right and will never exist what and right like what did that make you think she meant like maybe well i mean she's working on like a particle accelerator so Mm -hmm. maybe she's working on an experiment that gave her results that fully shattered her entire understanding of like all of science up until that point is kind of what i'm thinking because i mean right she must have that'd be like dr neil degrasse tyson saying astrophysics doesn't exist Right. Like, like one of the most famous astrophysicists alive saying that like this thing I've devoted my life to studying is like, no, it's not real and it will never be real. It, it like would what? Be, it, and it's kind of amazing. I mean, there's a part of me that wants so badly. Like we all are just, I mean, that's the point of physicists though, right? It's like they're trying to discover what laws hold up and what laws don't. Right. What theories hold up and what theories don't. And so to, to actually arrive at some conclusive evidence that, oh, actually none of our theories of physics hold up yeah like what did she discover what did she discover and what and why did it lead her to be like the only choice is to kill myself though it is irresponsible of me to do so we are gonna find out right i think so okay good and so general chang is like all right now you've read the suicide note yang dong was a member of the frontiers of science and our first order of business is to investigate the frontiers of science You may be wondering, what the hell is the frontiers of science? They explain it was developed out of, in 2005, out of the World Year of Physics as an organization committed to discovering the limits of science. Which, like, I mean, that that just feels like science, right? Like, always trying to expand and be like, are the things that we know, do they hold up when we learn new things? And if not, how do we describe these new things that we know? Right. Science, they're like, we got to have scientists scientifically studying the limitations of science. Which I'll say, that sounds really experimental and is honestly kind of surprising to me given, like, that's kind of a stark contrast from the Cultural Revolution, right? Like, here, these Frontiers of Science members are living in theories and conjecture rather than adhering to norms that they've, like, identified to either be obsolete or nearly so because you know like that's part of sort of like what the shakeup was in the cultural revolution where scientists going okay it's safer for us not to live in theory we're going to live in experiments and in practice so that's interesting to hear that a that it is allowed to exist and b that the members are all these like highly notable scientists in their fields absolutely it's also radical not just like in the cultural context of china but in the global context of science where you know Science, I feel like a, like a big limitation of science and empirical science and the way, you know, the scientific method yeah. is that we believe it has no limits, right? And like we don't yeah. allow into consideration anything that can't be proven using science and the scientific method as it's been developed. Like we act like the scientific method is this you know, a foolproof method of discovery. And so if you can't prove it using the scientific method, which was constructed at a very specific time in history using very specific steps and principles um, and observational analysis, everything else doesn't exist. Or, you know, then everything else is illegitimate. Right. And so on a global science level, to, like, have an organization of scientists devoted to discovering the limits of science is so radical and so important to the progress of science. Yeah. It's at this point, so with, I mean, now the full knowledge that Yang Dong has killed herself, but has also gone out saying, physics doesn't exist. This thing that I've spent my life studying is not real, doesn't exist, and will never exist. General Cheng lays out that most of the scientists who have committed suicide on this list in some way were connected to the frontiers of science if not being an actual member. So they either knew somebody that was in it or regularly researched with, you know, just etc. And they're like, as far as we can tell, like, there's no cult shit going on here. Yeah, like, no psychotropic drugs, no use of, like... Coercion. Charles Manson's psychological manipulation. There's right. no, like, poison Kool-Aid oh, yeah. going around. Mm-hmm. So there's no clear 
reason. And General Chang is like, since Frontiers of Science recently contacted you, Wang Miao, we'd like to ask you for some info. And Da Shi is like, yeah, we'd like information on when you're meeting with them, where you're meeting with them, what their email addresses are, what you guys are talking about, how their shit smells. Like, he just like fully like bull in a china shop, like takes all the tact out of General Chang's approach and is like just being so excessive in the way he's asking Wang Miao to help them and the other cop goes Dasha just a quick question do you think uh, we'll forget you have a mouth if you don't use it yep <laughs> and I was like I love Chinese comedy like that low level sort of like muttered under the breath it's so funny and not to burst their bubble but Professor Wang is like yeah okay fine here here are all of my like ways that I've interacted with the frontiers of science he tells the group that everything that the frontiers of science has asked him about has dealt with what Dr. Ding had just described if they can know the limit of what science can understand yeah and he was like listen I'm not like I'm not in it I'm an applied scientist so like he's like I went to a I went to a comic-con essentially for scientists met this one uh, Japanese physicist of Chinese descent named Shen Yufei. And she, you know, invited me to get drinks with her other physicist friends. And we stayed up late talking about, you know, radical shit, talking theory. It was fun for a night. But, you know, and they were talking about the limits of science and, and cool, really cool to think about abstract stuff. He says, yeah, that like actually all of their conversations were limited to theory. None of it was applicable to practice and that mainly... He was interested in hearing their points of view, not so much offering to the conversation, but just hearing what they had to say because their sort of viewpoints were so novel. He had never heard anything like it before. But then General Chang relatively drops the bomb. They want Professor Wang to infiltrate the frontiers of science and act as their mole. They want to learn basically all they can about this organization and really without Wang as a scientist, well-known, respected in his field, they're basically flying blind, so they really need him to help them out in this way because they don't see another clear way inside. Right, like me? A mole? And they're like, yeah, we need someone in academia to to get in there. We won't be able to penetrate it. We won't be able to understand what they're even fucking talking about. But again, Wang's like, I'm, I'm not busy. interested. I'm too busy. Like, oh, I don't have oh, time. Actually, like, look at the time. <clears throat> I'm sick. Yeah, Wang Miao's like, I'm too busy. I gotta go. And General Chang is like, well, all right, if you're too busy, you're too busy. We understand. Thank you for considering, and you're dismissed. And Wing Meow's like, that's it? And General Chang's like, yeah, you're dismissed. And so Wing Meow is about to leave. And that's the good cop side of it. But then Da Xu, always the softy, is like, we can't send this guy. He's going to go inside, and they're going to eat him up like a meat dumpling. Like, they're going to they're going to rip this guy to shreds, basically. Like, all these other eggheads have killed themselves. He's not going to last the night, basically. Yeah. Good thing he's too busy, because he'd get fucking eaten alive in a matter of days and probably off himself, just like the other fucking bookworms. Which makes Wang finally say something to Dasha, who's been, like, avoiding him this whole meeting. And he's like, buddy, the way you talk is so inappropriate. Like... <laughs> Basically, like, put some respect on these scientists' names. Yes. Like, they have made incomparable contributions to society. And basically, like, how very dare you talk about them with such disregard. He's like, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. But Dasha's like, are they better than me? Like, I wouldn't kill myself over this, lol. You know, basically. Yeah, he's like, only a scientist is stupid enough to kill themselves over some bullshit physics. But Wang is like... Oh, wait, so you think that I would kill myself over this? Like... Over a theory? Like, over whatever this thing is? At this point, I'm just thinking that, like, Dasha is great with reverse psychology and that, like, everybody knows what's happening except for Wang Miao. Yeah. And Dasha's like, no, 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 no. I don't think that you would kill yourself over this. I'm just responsible for your safety. So, like, you know... I'm just looking out for you. So it'd be best for your safety if you didn't do it. And he puts that smile back on his face that, like, continues to get under Wang Miao's probably, skin. Probably lights another cigarette. And Wang's like, fine, I'll join. <laughs> I'll join the frontiers of science, okay? I'll do it. It's like Frodo accepting the ring. I'll do it. He's like, but not to be a spy. 
just to prove this fucking idiot Dasha wrong that I won't kill myself. The meeting gets adjourned. They all collectively keep Dasha away from Wang so that they don't further irritate him because they're like, he's just said yes. Now we need to like kind of like respect his boundaries. Right. And General Chang walks Wang Miao to another private car and he's like, I know you must have so many questions. And Wing Yao's like, yeah, actually, you know what? I do have one question. Why is the military involved in this? I mean, like, this isn't really a war. This no, is... he says it's, like, actually the most peaceful time in history. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about a war? And General Chang is like, did anything ever happen to you that changed your life completely? And Wing Yao's like, mm, not really. The privilege. The privilege. Um, and then he's, and, and General Chang is like, well, then you've been very fortunate. And he says, you know what? The whole earth has been very lucky. From the Stone Age until now, pretty much nothing bad has happened to the human race. And luck comes to an end. And unfortunately, our luck is ending. And with that, Wing Miao gets in the car. Fucking spine chilling, right? Because I thought about that today, like damn to think like from the stone age until now like in like all the wars that have happened all of the tragedies holocaust genocides you know horrific things that have happened like the human race has been so incredibly lucky in terms of natural disaster we are not extinct the dinosaurs reigned for millions of years eons right and then boom just something complete a meteor hits them and extinction like the human race is so goddamn lucky so wing meow gets in the car and he realizes the driver is not the driver who took him here the driver's like no no i brought dr ding yi here and who is yang dong's grieving boyfriend exactly and wing meow has this idea he decides you know what don't take me home Take me to Ding Yi's house. Ooh. And that. So maybe we've got a new meeting on our hands. Maybe we do. And that is the end of The Frontiers of Science, Chapter 4. Man. We've got an inside man now. We really do. Wing Miao, our new protagonist. Let's take a bet. How long do you think... So are you are you Team Dashi, who are like, these people are going to eat him alive? Mm. Or are you team Wang Miao? Like, how long... Who do you think is going to win out? Like, is he going to last a long time? Or is he going to be, like, a match burning out? I think that Wang Miao is going to last a long time. I think that he's, like, our hero. And so he can't kill himself. And he will discover what's killing all these scientists. And, and he will somehow just simply reverse it. Or, like, end it, you know, and the book will be terrible as a result. <laughs> You know, I'm I'm more so can't wait for him to find out whatever it was that Yang Dong found out that led her to believe that physics is not real, and doesn't exist and will never exist. Yeah, because that's unsettling to me. Astrophysics is one of the most interesting things you could pursue because it's like if you manage to like make contact with extraterrestrials, like you are changing the entire course of human history. Well, and it's continually evolving. I mean, like, as, as our technology gets better, I mean, like, with the recent launch of the James Webb Space Telescope, nearly every day, NASA are disseminating new information that we've learned something new about one thing or another. Right. And that will change everything. You know, it's not as simple as, like, oh, that'll make, that'll make this individual $100,000 richer. No, like, that will change the entire future yeah and it's the same with like just like quantum physics and we're able to like master and prove those theories then we can theoretically like harness thought in a way that is far more effective we can possibly like telekinesis i mean the free generation of energy that's not time travel speaking of quantum physics yes i was curious what you know about particle accelerators not much please i i would love to know more i hear the words all the time and i'm like i picture something very specific that's probably not right we have a we have at least one we might have two but i there's one that i know of particle accelerator in the united states Mm -hmm. how many are there per country do you think oh i mean it's like not a not per country it's really just countries that have like 
the financial resources to sort of like how America for 20 years has been building the space launch system for the Artemis mission. Right. It's really only the countries that have the money to set on fire, basically. Damn, how many do you think there are in America? There's one or two. Damn, so like not a lot. No, because they're quite big. Right. Okay, so to answer your question, the examples that I'm going to share with you are based on the particle accelerator that is in Switzerland, but from the Environmental Protection Agency's website. A particle accelerator, if you're fully unfamiliar, is a special machine that speeds up charged particles and channels them into a beam. When used in research, the beam hits the targets and scientists can gather information about atoms, molecules, and the laws of physics. So, for example, from the people who discovered the God particle, more specifically, scientifically known as the Higgs boson particle, Mm -hmm. which, if you're also unfamiliar with that, the Higgs boson particle is a fundamental particle of matter uh-huh. which gives all matter its mass so like you have higgs boson particles i have higgs boson particles because i remember learning in like chem or whatever biophysics that like you've got your electrons and you've got your protons in the middle of the nucleus with their neutrons and that the mass the atomic mass of like uh, an atom came from the proton and the neutrons weight but inside the proton and the neutron are particles that are even smaller. Oh, fuck. And those are the Higgs boson particles. You have quarks. You have gluons. You have muons. You have charm particles. You have spin particles, up particles, what? down particles. No. I mean, they're all different particles? They're all different. Or are they different levels of particles? They are all different quantum-sized particles. So Holy you think about it, fuck. if you think about a human body... If you zoom in even smaller, Mm -hmm. you reach the cellular level. If you go even smaller, you reach the atomic level. If you go even smaller than the atomic level, you reach the quantum level. And that's the level of the physical world where all of our known laws of physics break down. They just don't hold up. They don't make sense when you're at the quantum scale. Right. So from the people who discovered the Higgs boson... When you think about CERN, regardless of your opinion on the book, but if you remember the Dan Brown novel Angels and Demons, which was a follow-up to The Da Vinci Code, Mm -hmm. that story takes place at CERN where they're studying antimatter. Okay. Antimatter being? The complete opposite of matter. So if, if, if matter and antimatter meet, they annihilate each other. But in, in that book, antimatter is being manufactured and captured through particle beam experiments and it is stolen and being threatened to be used as a weapon got it so that's the fictional story that takes place there but from a story that was published in inverse scientists at cern have discovered too many particles for physicists and physics as a whole to be able to keep up with it so by running experiments at CERN specifically, they have walked away with so much information about all of these fundamental particles that make up things that are even smaller than protons, neutrons, and electrons Mm -hmm. that they don't even actually have names for all of them. Oh my god. Because it just gets infinitely smaller. Yes. (gasps) At CERN, their machine is called the LHC, which stands for the Large Hadron Collider. Mm, Heard of it. It was switched on back in April after being off for a period of several years to be upgraded and to have maintenance run on it. It was turned back on in April and it ran at the highest energy level that was ever achieved on the planet by humans. Okay. Meaning? Well, just meaning that the scientists were running the same types of experiments that they historically have been running, Uh but they just upgraded the power source so much that it was running at a level that it has never been able to before. I know you already explained this pretty early on, but I, I just want you to say it again, because if I'm having a hard time visualizing it, I'm, I'm sure our listeners are. I mean, I don't mean to assume, but could you help me visualize again what it means when they're running a particle accelerator? Yeah, so it's not actually something that you can see with your eyes. So at at CERN, the Large Hadron Collider exist in a near vacuum in a concrete tunnel that is bored underground over like 20 miles i think is the total length of it so it exists underneath switzerland okay and inside this tunnel exists a near vacuum and there are two beams and one beam is shooting out a certain type of particle 
at an extremely high speed. Okay. And the other beam is shooting out a different type of or the same particle at the same extremely high speed. Okay. Aimed at each other. So as they're going through this tunnel, they're gaining speed. They're speeding up. They're speeding up. They're speeding up. And at a point, those two particles will meet in a head-on collision. Think like two cars crashing into each other. Okay. And when they crash into each other, they kind of split. And all of this information that's at the particle size hits sensors that are on the inside of the tunnel. And on computers in the laboratory, you can say oh, okay, so we just collided these two hydrogen atoms or these two helium atoms or, you know, whatever. And they basically shatter. And they can see fundamentally what comes out of that collision. Into smaller units. Yeah, so scientifically, leading up to the discovery of the Higgs boson particle, they were sort of simulating the conditions in the immediate moments after the Big Bang. So in the laboratory setting, Mm -hmm. they were walking away with, like, the smallest sort of like snapshot picture understanding of what the universe looked like after everything inflated from that single finite point. So we really are on sort of like the precipice of like a whole new chapter of scientific discovery, just like in general, because as our technology upgrades, we can see smaller. And I'm kind of, you know, from the book, I like the frontiers of science. They're sort of like directive to to be going out and saying like let's find out what the upper limit is of things that we can know and it's almost like the more that technology and our understanding of technology progresses yeah revealing even more to us that's available to us sort of like in correlation right almost like there will not actually ever be a limit because as we keep upgrading whatever is running the simulation is just going to keep upgrading to show us more and more information at that new level right yeah, I mean, I, it's very freeing to me to think from a simulationist's perspective. Oh, 100%. And also, like, if you experiment with this, you know, with the theories of quantum physics, as, like, you know, Joe Dispenza kind of alleges to do, it's like you can affect the expression of matter. That can be shown clinically. I mean, for years, up until the point where the experiment was carried out, it was highly debated whether or not light, for example, acted as a particle, which we know to be the photon, or as a wave, like a radio signal. Right. And the answer that scientists arrived at is both. Right. It depends on whether or not you're watching it. So insane. If you're not familiar, you should look up the double slit experiment, Mm -hmm. and it's where a beam of photons, a beam of light was shot at two slits and the photons on their own choose which slit to go through and on the back side of it, which is like a photoreactive like paper or medium or something, the interference patterns that show up very clearly show that it moves as both a particle and as a wave and the results change depending on whether or not somebody's looking at it. Right, and like what that person's expectation was as well. Yes. Like if you expect it to behave as a particle, it behaved as a particle. It would do so. And if you expect it to behave as a wave, it would it would behave as a wave. And that type of shit, like you said, it's like on the quantum level, everything we think we fucking know goes right out the window. That's why I think, in general, consciousness has to exist at the quantum level. Right. Like, we think of ourselves as as humans, total, complete bodily systems, but I don't think consciousness resides at this sort of, like, macro level of of the body. I think it's quantum in nature. Well, and I think to that point you know how you were saying every time you split matter it gets smaller and smaller it seems like it'll continue to get smaller and never stop getting smaller yeah because what is at the bottom of it what is not matter is consciousness right like so yes i fully something agree knowing how to manipulate all the layers that are above it to make things happen on a bigger and bigger and bigger scale yeah exactly the the universal substrate running through all levels of matter is consciousness yeah and then i just have thought like you know so many of the world's religions communicate that all consciousness is one that all humans are connected to all animals and all plants and all ecosystems you know that kind of thing so then it really makes me think along the lines of really is all of consciousness all of consciousness like there's just one consciousness and it's 
sort of manifesting itself in the form of me, of you, of you, dear listener. Yeah. To experience itself in these 8 billion plus different ways. Right. Every 24 hour period. I think now we're thinking along the lines that we can officially be inducted into the frontiers of science. Yes. forward to where this is gonna go i mean like the hair on the back of my neck is standing up thinking about what crisis might be coming yeah like my anxiety is through the roof because now somebody else that i've already grown to care about is like gonna go and infiltrate this group that might not be so you know friendly like it is on its face and whatever you think is gonna happen dear listener I guarantee you, unless you've read the book... You have no idea what's coming. You're wrong. Like, I know we allude to a lot of extraterrestrials, but, like, I promise you it's not what you think. So on next week's episode, we're going to be dealing with a chapter that's called A Game of Pool. And we're going to pick back up with Professor Wang Miao, who has just gotten into the car, and he's headed to see Dr. Ding, and he's like, i got to talk to this person. And what will they talk about? And how will they talk about it? Will it be a friendly conversation? Will it be a combative conversation? Will this be the end of Wang Miao's journey? I hope not. I'm liking him already. Totally. I love his, like, energy and his resentment of Da Shi. We have to find out how he's going to infiltrate the frontiers of science. That's what I was going to say. I have to know what's happening with this organization that's making these people kill themselves. So I, I really hope he sticks around and is able to, like sort of weasel his way in there. I wonder if he's going to talk about Yang Dong and, like, you know, his love. I mean, this is Yang Dong's grieving ex... or grieving boyfriend, you know. Will they will they share sort of... Like, hug and cry it out. Yeah. Only one way to know. In the meantime, if you'd like to connect with us to continue the conversation, you can follow us on Twitter at RadarPeakPod. You can also subscribe to our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash RadarPeak. And we would love to see you there. But in the meantime, we'll see you next week. Subscribe, rate, review. Love you. You've been listening to Radar Peak, a three-body podcast. Subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for exclusive content we might not have time for, subscribe to our Patreon. One last thing before you go. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave a review and tell your friends about us. Join in on the conversation when you follow us on Twitter at Radar Peak Pod. See you there.